discussing uh, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing party washed in the blood of the lamb at the end of my message. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot more about it. All right, so good morning, everyone. Hey, it's really good to see everyone. I just want to give you all a, a very warm welcome. Um, we've got some visitors here today, which is absolutely fantastic. And if it's your first time here, we give you a special welcome. I'm going to speak today um, on some fundamentals of the faith. I've been doing a series on fundamentals of biblical truth. And you'll probably remember, if you heard me the last couple of times, right now I'm kind of focused on the work of the cross. And I spoke two times ago about repentance from the cross. And the last time I spoke, I spoke on the forgiveness of sins that comes to us from the cross. Today, I am going to speak to you about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, a growing trend in a lot of churches that um, it almost seems like they don't want to talk about the blood. It almost seems like there's a type of uh, Christianity that's, that's maybe, a, you know, kind of a, a works-based and a, and a, a self-help and maybe make yourself a little bit better. Folks, I want to tell you that the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible is very, very clear that the only way our sins can be forgiven is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, I Googled this because I had no idea. How many times do you think the word blood is mentioned in the Bible. Does anybody know? Take a guess. Thousands. He's right. I had no idea. You know, like this word blood is all through the Bible. Right from the very beginning, right through to the last chapter. The word blood is found in the Bible 7,316 times. I had no idea, 7,316 times. So we're gonna to talk today about the blood of Jesus Christ. And there are three things in particular that I would like to show you that the blood is a picture of. Okay, these are my three points, in case you miss them, that I wanna to make today. The blood of Jesus Christ is, first of all, a fountain. It's a fountain. And second, the blood of Jesus Christ is a covenant. And third, the blood of Jesus Christ is a garment. Okay, so let's see if we got that. It is a fountain of cleansing, the blood of Jesus Christ. A fountain of cleansing. It is secondly, a covenant of mercy. Okay, that's a promise. It is a contractual 
agreement that God has given to us. It's a promise, a covenant of mercy, and then thirdly, it's a garment, a garment of purity. Makes us pure, absolutely pure. All right, let's read um, in John chapter 19. We're going to read in John chapter 19. So if you have your Bible, just turn to the Gospel of John, and we're going to read a few verses from chapter 19. I want to emphasize today the eternal value of the blood of Christ. The eternal value of the blood of Christ. The Lord puts tremendous emphasis on the blood. There's a real interesting verse I have on the screen here, Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. And God made this promise way, 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 way back in history. He said, it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The blood makes atonement for the soul. So think about that as we read these historic verses of Jesus upon the cross shedding his blood. John chapter 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar that they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first, the first two criminals, and the other that was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he that saw it, this is John, standing at the cross, he that saw it, he bore witness. And he, his witness is true. And he knows what he is saying is true. Why? That ye might believe. For all these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture that says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. The blood of Jesus Christ is historic. Okay, this actually happened. There was a point in time in history that is documented, recorded, irrefutable by eyewitnesses that Jesus Christ hung upon a cross 
and his hands and his feet were pierced, and a soldier with a spear pierced his side, and his blood flowed. This is a historic event. It cannot be refuted. This actually happened. Secondly, the blood of Christ is prophetic. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament in a minute, and I'm gonna show you how this incredible event, momentous, defining pivotal point in history was actually prophesied to take place. And what happened at the cross, God told prophets to write it down hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened that it would actually happen. So the blood of Christ is historic. The blood of Christ is prophetic, but it speaks to us profound spiritual truth. The blood of Jesus Christ. Just uh, think for a moment with me of what this must have been like for John. Here is John the Apostle, and he loves the Lord. He, he has walked with the Lord Jesus for three and a half years. He's, he's left everything, his career, his family. He, he's left it all, and he's following Jesus. And this was the one that they believed was the Messiah, the chosen one of God who was gonna die for the nation and was gonna redeem us to God and bring about all the blessings of God. But they didn't realize that he had to die in order to accomplish that. So, so the disciples are really confused and perplexed about this moment. And they're watching the one that they love who has demonstrated he is all-powerful, okay? He has walked on water. He, he, he was in the ship with these men, and he stood up and he said, peace be still, and there was a great calm. He speaks to the wind and the waves, and they obey him. They saw him raise the dead. Goes into this little girl that's in her room, and she's 12 years old, and he speaks to her and raises her from the dead. They saw him at the grave of Lazarus, who was dead four days. He said, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. They know Jesus is all powerful. One day they went to, uh, to kill him, and they went to push him over the brow of the hill, and he just walked right through their midst. You can read that in Luke chapter four. Jesus is all powerful, but on this day, Something different is happening. He's giving himself to be taken by these men. And they come and they arrest him in the garden. And instead of Jesus walking through their midst, instead of Jesus calling 12 legions of angels and destroying them, he gives himself to them. And they take him. And a soldier smacks him in the face. And someone else crowns him with thorns and they, they beat this into his brow. And they scourge him. And he, he's standing there. And he's taking it all. And then he goes and he carries his cross 
and he goes down the Via Della Rosa and outside the city gate, and he goes to Skull Hill, and they crucify him. And John is standing, and he's watching, and Mary is there, and Mary's sisters, and some of the other disciples, and they're watching. And that scene just is covered in darkness, and God takes the sin of the world and lays it upon Jesus, and he dies, and there's an earthquake, and there's a loud voice, and he cries, it is finished. And before they could come to literally kill him, finish him off, he dismisses his spirit. That is a miracle. No human being, if they decided that they wanted to die right now, can actually release their spirit from their body. You try it. It's impossible, unless you're God. Unless you breathe into man's nostrils the breath of life. Unless you are the controller of all things. Unless you hold all things by the word of your power, like Jesus did. He came with a purpose to die. He died on a cross, and at the very moment that everything was finished, he said, it's now accomplished, it's finished, and he dismissed his spirit, and he died. But the soldiers came, and they thought, you know, uh, we need to finish these victims off, because the next day was, a, was a, a holy day, and it was an unclean thing for um, the religious leaders to have you know, the bodies on the cross on the Sabbath day. So they came, and this was routine. Normally what happened for a victim was they would eventually suffocate when they had no strength to raise themselves up on the nails to actually breathe. And sometimes this could take days. Well, Jesus was on the cross from nine o'clock to three o'clock in the afternoon, and at three o'clock, he said, it's finished and he dismissed his spirit, and then the soldiers came. And they look at the two criminals, they break their legs so that they had no strength to lift themselves up to breathe anymore. They would be dead in a few minutes. And when they came to Jesus, it says he was dead already. They break not his legs. Why didn't they break his legs? Because the scripture said, not a bone of him would be broken. And it says, John says, I I stood there. I saw this. This actually happened. A soldier came with a spear. Now, the victims that were on a cross were probably up about eight, 10 feet. And the cross was in a hole in the ground, lifted up, And the soldiers came and they looked at Jesus and they saw that he was dead already. They just wanted to make sure. And so they take the spear and they throw it up into the side of the Lord Jesus. And John is close enough to see exactly what happened next. And we read what he said. He said, I was there. He said, I saw this. Immediately, blood and water came out from the side of the Lord Jesus. 
His blood was shed. This is a historic event, irrefutable. Eyewitnesses. John says, I saw it. I wrote it down. I know it's truth. This is fundamental truth. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, was shed. This happened. Do you ever ask the question, why was that so important? Why did this have to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about it. This is a visible demonstration of tremendous spiritual truth. This verse that we have right here, Leviticus 17 and verse 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Okay? So it is symbolic of life, the blood. In fact, God said, thou shalt not eat the blood because it was symbolic of life. It was sacred. The life of the flesh is in the blood and God says, I have given it to you for an atonement for your soul. Folks, at the cross, God literally gave his son to shed his blood for the atonement of your soul and mine, for our sins, so we could be forgiven. His blood was shed. Do you remember what Paul said in Acts chapter 20? He says that the church, that is the body of Christ, every single person in the world, from Pentecost on, that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is part of the church. And he says in Acts 20 and verse 28 that he purchased the church by his own blood. That's how much he loved us. He paid the price for every person that believes in him. He paid that price so that we as a church could be purchased by God. He says, I have given it to you upon the altar as an atonement for your soul. There's a song that we sing out on the street, and I love it. I absolutely love it. We, we sang it on, on Friday night, and hopefully at the end of this, we're gonna sing it. It goes like this. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? There is rich, rich truth in that. Phenomenal. Because folks, Jesus Christ shed his blood, shed his own blood to wash you and me from our sins. That is the eternal value of the blood of Christ. His blood was shed to wash us from our sins. There are five things that the Bible says about the blood of Christ that stand out. Here they are. Amongst many other things, there are five things 
that are so profound, deep spiritual truth. Catch them. Through his blood, we have redemption. Even the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. Through his blood, we are justified. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. It says we're justified from wrath. Okay, do you know what the word justified means? means to be cleared of all guilt, means to be given a righteous standing in the sight of God. Through his blood, we are justified, cleared from all guilt of sin, and we are saved from wrath. Romans 5 and verse 9. But it goes further. Through his blood, we are reconciled to God. Maybe you didn't know it. You were born into this world an enemy of God's. We were actually born into this world in our sin, dominated and controlled by our sin and by wicked works, the Bible says. We were enemies of God. But he shed his blood to reconcile us to God, to bring us back and peace was made at the cross. You can read about that in Colossians chapter one. Peace was made at the cross, Colossians one and verse 20, through the blood of Christ. But more than that, the one who saw this happen, this historic event, wrote 1 John. And in 1 John chapter one and verse seven, John says this, through his blood, we are cleansed from our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Wait a minute. Do you mean all sin? That's what it says. There is not a sin that any person has ever committed in their entire life that the blood of Jesus Christ can't cleanse. Amen? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's amazing. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 19 says, Through his blood, we have boldness. We have courage to come into his very presence. You see, we are sinners, and naturally, we're unclean. And because of all the sins that we've committed in our life, how could we ever approach God? We'd be struck down. We'd be smitten because God is intrinsically holy. But because of the blood of Christ, he's cleansed us and he's given us a foundation, an ability, a right to come into his presence and to worship before him the blood of Christ is not only historic, it gives us profound spiritual truth. I want to show you how the blood of Christ is a fountain. It's a fountain. You know what a fountain is? It's endless. You know what it's like when you, uh, when you go to a park and you see this beautiful fountain and it's just endless water that just comes up and up? 
I don't know if you guys have been to Las Vegas, but there's a, there's a hotel there called the Bellagio, and there's this incredible fountain, and it goes on and on and on, and they have a light show, and the water just continues to bubble up and bubble up, and it never stops. That's a fountain. Okay, so my first picture is the Bible teaches us that the blood of Jesus Christ is a fountain, a fountain. It, it's not just a couple of drops or a couple of pints. It's a fountain. It is endless. It is without limit. And it never ceases. I want to read with you in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12. I, I know it's probably hard to find, but it's in the Old Testament, second to last book. There's a, there's a really great passage there. If you can find it, Zechariah, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, and so this is the second to last book. This is a prophetic statement about the Son of God and what's going to happen when he died on the cross. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 I will pour upon the house of David, that's Israel, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me. Who? They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Do you remember what we read in John chapter 19? Jesus was pierced with that spear. And it was the nation of Israel that wanted him crucified. They shall look on him whom they pierced. What did we read in John chapter 19? That the scripture might be fulfilled. They shall look on him whom they pierced. This scripture was the prophecy of what was actually fulfilled in John chapter 19 and verse 37, okay? So the prophet said several hundred years before Christ came that he was gonna be pierced. And they shall look on him whom they pierced. And then it says, as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now look at chapter 13 and verse one. I love this verse. In that day, there shall be a fountain. A fountain. In that day, there shall be a fountain. What for? Open for the house of David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. They shall look on him whom they pierced, and in that day there shall be a fountain, a fountain for sin and for uncleanness. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of William Cowper. William Cowper 
was a man who lived, I believe, in the early 1800s. And he was wrestling with sin in his life. And he was depressed. And he had anxiety. And he had mental illness. And he was so distressed that he was going to take his own life. And he said, I gotta end this. I can't, I can't deal with this any longer. And he was actually put up in a home And while he was in that home, he was contemplating how he could commit suicide. He sat down in this chair, and there was a Bible opened right in the chair beside him. Have you heard this story? There was a Bible opened. And he picked up the Bible, and it was open to Romans chapter 3. And here's what it says. Through his blood, we are justified freely. And he said, what? What is this? And he picked it up and he started to read it. And he came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And he understood that his blood was shed for his sins. Do you know what William Cowper ended up doing? He wrote a hymn. I'm sure you know the hymn. Picked up his pen and he started to write. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Folks, there's a fountain. It's filled with blood. And it's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. God himself became a man and took upon himself flesh and blood. That's what Hebrews chapter two says. He he didn't take on the nature of angels. He took on the seed of Abraham. Why? So that he could have flesh and blood and that through death he could destroy him that had the power of death our enemy, Satan, and deliver us who all our lifetime were subject to bondage. There's a fountain. The fountain is the precious blood of Christ. And every person that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is washed in that fountain and their sins are gone. A fountain filled with blood in that day There's a day coming when Israel that have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior will recognize, wow, he's God. He died for us. He's our Messiah. He came and we crucified him. What a dreadful mistake that we've made. Here's a nation of Israel that had literally turned their back on God because they had rejected his son. Can I stop for a minute? Folks, we live in a world, a world of people that are just like this, that have turned their back on God. And if you want any evidence of that, you just come out on the street. Try to tell people about the precious blood of Christ. We had a a guy on Friday night, this guy here, Lucas, gave a guy a track. The guy said, what is this? Is this about Jesus? And Lucas said, yeah, 
It's about Jesus. He threw it on the ground, and he went like this. That's what I think of Jesus. We live in a world of people that have literally turned their back on God. In fact, it says in the Isaiah 53 and 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord God has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. There is a fountain for cleansing. You know, all of us have sin. There, there's not a person that has ever lived that is not guilty of committing sin before God. And it's amazing how many people actually think they haven't sinned, okay? There is not a person that's ever lived that has not committed sin against God. We all have sin. But here's some great news, guys. There's a fountain, and sin can be washed away. All sin can be washed away. And you can't do one thing to take away one sin, but God has done it all. He has done it all by giving his son Jesus to die and shed his blood for our sin. He can offer today abundant pardon. That's the picture of the fountain. It doesn't just go so high, and it doesn't just run between 9 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock at night, and if something happens after that, it's, it's too late. No, this is an endless, unlimited fountain that God has provided to wash away sin. I want to tell you today about unlimited atonement. Not limited atonement, because I don't believe it exists. I want to tell you today about unlimited atonement. There is not a sin that anyone has ever committed that can't be washed away. There is not a person that is alive and breathing and has a pulse that is beyond mercy. Grace is available. Cleansing is available. Every single person can come to this fountain and wash their sins away. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 37? There was a feast going on. And Israel was going through this ritual. And I don't, you probably know all the history about it. They would take uh, these big, huge water pots from the pool of Siloam. And they would go back and forth. And they would pour them. And they would have all these sacrifices. And they were doing all of this ritual. And Jesus is on the outside of organized religion, you might say. Jesus is on the outside. And these people are going through the motions doing all this stuff. And on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What does that mean? These people, like so many people today, are going through the rituals of religion, trying to feel peace with God 
trying to know that they've done enough good works. Maybe they're going to get to heaven. No. Jesus stood and he cried, if anyone thirsts spiritually, come to me. Jesus said, come to me. I will give you rivers, rivers of living water. It doesn't stop. Okay? It is an eternal fountain of joy and peace and satisfaction and cleansing. The blood of Jesus Christ is a fountain. Let me tell you some graphic examples of this. There were some people in the Corinthian church. You could read about this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There was people that were really immoral. And they had lived a life of sin. And they were engaging in sexual immorality. Some of them were stealing. Some of them were slandering. Some of them were involved in incest. Some of them were extorting one another. I mean, this whole community of people were living in conscious sin, filth, corruption, immorality. And Paul goes into Corinth and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the blood of Christ, probably. I don't know what he preached in Corinth, but he, he probably preached the blood of Christ. If you read this verse in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, he says this, you Corinthians, you have been washed, washed. Such were some of you. This is what you may have been like at some point in your life. Such were some of you. You were like sexually immoral. You were thieves. You were slanderers. But, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been justified. You have been sanctified. Hey, guys, I want to tell you this. There is nothing on this earth, heaven, earth, or eternity, ever, that can ever take away your sin but the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you believe in him and you acknowledge your sin and you surrender your life and you accept by faith that Jesus died for me. His blood cleanses you from all your sin. It's a once for all cleansing. All your sin is washed. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed. The blood of Jesus Christ, folks, is a fountain that washes our sin away. The blood of Jesus Christ is a covenant of mercy. I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to read at verse 12. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer 
sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, the first testament, they are called, they that are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be death, the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. The blood of Jesus Christ is a covenant. You know what a covenant is, right? I mean, lots of you here are married. You entered into a covenant. You stood before God. You stood before men. You said your vows. This couple here just did it a couple weeks ago. And you said, I'm going to love you forever. I'm going I'm to stay with you forever. Whatever comes in my life, I will never break this vow. That's what, that's what a covenant is. You say, till death do us part, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. This is it. I'm married to this person. You enter into a covenant. That's a real small example. It pales in comparison to the covenant of God. Do you know why? Because we fail. We go back on our word. Actually, a lot of people get divorced and they break that covenant. Why? Because we're just weak sinners. We're imperfect. There's issues in our lives. Not so with God. God is perfect. God is pure. In fact, the Bible says two things about God. It is impossible for him to lie. Absolutely impossible. And whatever God does, he does forever. Folks, the blood of Jesus Christ is a covenant that God has entered into with you, with me, with every person that comes, repents of their sin, and believes in him. It's a covenant. Remember what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28? It was in the upper room and he was about to be betrayed and he took a cup and he said, this cup is a symbol. It is symbolic of my blood. In fact, he said, this is a new covenant. A new covenant. In the Old Testament, there was lots of covenants that were made. This is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Do you think the disciples really took in what was happening? I don't think so. Not until probably a lot later. But he said this is a new covenant. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's a contract that God Almighty who can never go back on his word, says, I gave my blood to pay for the forgiveness of your sins. 
Do you notice in Hebrews chapter 9, it says by his own blood? His own blood. Whose blood? The Lord Jesus. God himself who became a man shed his own blood. Now everything in the Old Testament, all these sacrifices year after year were just a picture of Jesus coming into the world and being God's once for all sacrifice for our sins. By his own blood, not animals, this is, this is the intrinsic holy lamb of God, God's own son. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. This is God who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Almighty actually came into a body. Philippians 2 says, he thought it not robbery to equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is God himself, his own blood, not animals. Animals were only a picture. He says this, this blood will purge your conscience forever. That is awesome. That is so awesome because when we commit sin, guys, we, we, we have sin on our conscience. And unless we repent of that sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are unsaved, you are carrying sin on your conscience. And the only way to have your conscience clear and purged is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior and have your sins washed away. The Bible says his own blood is able to purge our conscience. This was a once for all sacrifice. You remember what happened in the great day of atonement? They had to come every year. They had those two little goats. They laid the sin symbolically on the head of those goats and one was killed and the other was taken out into the wilderness, Leviticus 16. Well, they had to repeat that every year. And they would, they would think about, okay, oh my goodness, how many sins have I done this whole year? And they were probably writing it down. Well, I don't know what they wrote on, but they were probably you know, thinking, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And they're trying to get all their sins off their conscience. And those two little goats were taken. One was killed, the other was gone. Okay, we're good for another year. And then the next year, they had to repeat this all over again. Could you imagine living in that era? That would be awful. Folks, this is a once for all sacrifice for sins. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, well, if you drop down to the very last part of that chapter, it says, once for all, in the end of the age, he appeared to put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is not covering sin. This is putting sin away. It's gone. And for every person who believes on him, there's no more sin on our conscience. He has purged our conscience and he has given us the promise of an eternal inheritance to all those who believe. 
This is a covenant of mercy, undeserved. God has brought us into favor, but it required death. Verse 16, someone had to die. And verse 22, blood had to be shed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Here's my last point. A garment of purity. The blood of Jesus Christ is like a garment. You know what it was like this morning when you got up? You put your clothes on. You're covered, okay? You have a garment. The blood of Jesus Christ is a garment. It covers you. I just want to read quickly in Revelation chapter 7, because there's a great passage there about a garment. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. John saw this incredible vision. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number. Every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every people. They stood before the throne, this unnumbered throng. And then it says, they were clothed with white robes and had palms in their hands. Verse 14, and he said unto him, sir, thou knowest. He said earlier, he said, who are these that have these white robes? Who are these people? These are they that came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. God grants us a scene to see into the future. Through Revelation, this vision of John, he's actually showing us what it's going to be like in heaven. There's a great number of people represented from all nations of the world, and they're all dressed in white robes. <laughs> they're cleansed. They're dressed in white robes. They came out of tribulation and they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians 5 and verse 27 says, He loved the church and he gave himself for the church that he might present it to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Do you know that in Jude verse 24, God says that he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, blameless before the presence of his glory. So I made three points today. Number one, the blood of Jesus Christ is not only a garment, and it's not only a covenant. There's a promise that goes with this. And if you look at my second point, this is a covenant, a promise from God that he is able, ready, and willing to give you the forgiveness of sins. And when you believe on him, you put this garment on. And in the eyes of God, you are spotless. Your sin is gone because there's a fountain. And the fountain is the precious blood of Christ. And when you believe in him, you are washed, you are cleansed in this fountain, and your sins are gone. You know, as I wrap this up, I want to I wanna tell you two quick things. The reality is that every one of us are going to die. That's just a reality. Apart from the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church, 
every single one of us are going to die. There's only two ways to die. Only two ways to die. One is to die washed in the blood of the lamb with a spotless white robe. And the other way to die is to die in your sins. We read about a multitude of people that are gonna be in heaven and every single one of them are washed from their sins. They're gonna be singing unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. But Jesus said to a people in John chapter eight that didn't believe on him, he said, you will die in your sins because you believe not that I am he. And if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. And where I am, you cannot come. And so I just wanna ask every one of us today to ask ourselves, search our hearts. Have I come? Have I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have I trusted him as my savior? Am I washed in the blood of the lamb? Or am I still exposed to, to God's wrath in my sins? Because it's a dreadful thing, fearful thing for anybody to die in their sins. God has a fountain. It's, it's accessible, it's available, it's eternal. And he's able to wash all of our sins away by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just trust that every one of us today will go out of here with the full certainty of faith, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and thanking God for the fact that his blood was shed to cleanse me from all my sins, the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks today for the Lord Jesus. We're thankful for the blood of the Lamb. We're thankful, Lord, that this blood is able to cleanse us from all sin and that every person who believes in him will have mercy with God and will have their sins forgiven and will know for sure by this covenant, this promise that God made to all men that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ we will have our sins washed away. And so we thank you for this and pray that you would part us with your blessing and help us, Lord, to enjoy this truth today. And as we sing a hymn, we just ask your blessing upon us and thank you for all the goodness of God in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. I just wanna sing a couple of